In recent years, the role of the Chief Financial Officer or CFO has never been more challenging as it is fulfilling for those who hold the position. From geopolitical uncertainties to changing market dynamics, from technological innovations that are paving the way for new business models, and from calamitous weather disturbances that are reminding business leaders about the importance of addressing climate change today for a sustainable future tomorrow, the CFO has an important seat in directing the future of the company, the industry, and society. Recognizing the differences in regulation and market dynamics, future CFOs approached CFOs' finance heads from around Asia to discover their learnings, experiences, and approaches in handling the myriad challenges that they face in 2023 and their expectations and plans for 2024. In this podcast for Future CFO, we are joined by Hongrui Mo, or Max as he prefers to be called, the Chief Financial Officer for Asia at MetAsia, for his perspective on the changing role of the CFO. If you look at 2023, the role of the CFO, how has the role of the CFO changed for you? Right. I think uh, for 2023, the main focus and priorities are very much on uh, finance transformation and uh, finance digitalization. Uh, and at the same time, uh, you know, finance process uh, streamlining uh, because finance, I, I don't know why it's always seen as a cost center, but actually uh, for me, I would like to challenge that notion. Uh, in, in actual fact, uh, I business partner a lot uh, with the different departments like um, technical project teams, sales team, uh, etc. So I do a lot of uh, outreach so uh but but still the notion is very strong and uh they always wants to to have a very small and a lean finance team so i think you can see that the main theme of 2023 is really very much centered around finance transformation digitalization how can you get most out of a very simple and a very small team we have seen some finance functions being offshored or moved over to what they call shared services operations. Right? And there are companies yeah. that have started to offer that. Is that one of the options that CFOs today are more open to considering? Do you think CFOs in Asia are more open to the idea of, oh, I will hire a an outside company to do my FP&A, to do my accounting requirements or things that I can outsource, I will outsource as much as we can to keep the, as you say, the function itself lean and small? So actually, I will see it from two perspectives. So if a company, for example, a startup where you have very little business transactions, definitely you can outsource this to some of the uh, accounting or professional firms who do the accounting for you. FP&A has to be very, very close to the business because it needs to have an in-depth understanding of the business. So from for FP&A perspective, it's a little bit hard to outsource this because you know you need to have constant exchanges with the business leaders, with the sales teams, discuss about, about the budgets, the forecasts. You need to have an FP&A team which is very, very close to you. So that one is more in-house as much as possible. Exactly. And for big organizations, if your business is very much uh, matured uh, and, and developed, right, then it will make sense that although you have an uh, so-called outsource or shared service center, but the shared service center must be within your control. Yeah. So it's unable to outsource the entire uh, finance function to an external organization because then you lose your control. If once you lose your control, you're basically losing the quality of your work. You know, if we have any ad hoc changes or ad hoc requirements, the external organization may not be able to react or they may not be able to support. 
So I think it makes sense for big organizations to outsource in a way that means to set up your own shared service center, but that has to be part of the organization. You are able to set up a shared service center elsewhere. Most of the, I think, MNCs, uh, which has presence in Singapore, they tend to like to set up SSCs in India or Philippines. You can do that to enjoy the, uh, you know, the cost efficiency. But again, it has to be an internal uh, shared service center where you have better control. What do you anticipate will be the expectations of the CFO and the finance team in 2024? Right. So I think uh, going into 2024, the main thing will be two main themes, I would say. Uh, number one is definitely the sustainability uh, and ESG reporting, following by the recent conclusion of COP28, in which I think everyone is very familiar already with the phrase saying that we have to transition away from fossil fuels in energy systems in a just, orderly and equitable manner. So yeah. I think to the disappointment of many, uh, phase out or phase down was totally removed. And I was quite shocked also. They, they are now using the word transitioning away from fossil fuels instead. So definitely uh, sustainability and uh, ESG reporting is another hot topic coming in 2024. Another super, super hot topic or maybe team right uh, of 2024 will also be the global minimum tax pillar two so for example in singapore it will be uh, effective mandatory for um, all of the companies which falls within uh, its thresholds and the requirements with effect from 1st january 2025 and to comply with the global minimum tax uh, pillar two right they're basically uh, you know based on the studies it is it you need to collect about 180 data points to be fully <laughs> compliant so you know you imagine Imagine everyone is like scrambling uh, to make sure, especially if you have an MNC, you have presence in many, many countries. Uh, you need to make sure that you have adequate data and good data, which you are able to extract from a uh, you know, um, group reporting perspective to in order to comply with Pillar 2. So these two are definitely the teams, but I would like to add on actually another layer, which is really the, the core foundation, the fundamental layer. So if you recall, right, uh, I think two or three months ago, the interview uh, that, that we had talking about finance transformation and digitalization, I'm still holding the thought that finance transformation and digitalization is not a one-off effort. It is a continuous journey. So although we are going into 2024 and we have the two main things that I share with you, I think uh, at the very core uh, of it, finance transformation and digitalization is still ongoing for the very fact that it is a journey, it's a long journey. Now, among the many priorities of the CFO and the finance team in 2024, which in your opinion will be the most challenging? I think uh, definitely sustainability reporting and uh, pillar two uh, are the most challenging uh, are because... the most challenging ones. But if let's say the most, I, I think I have to choose uh, the pillar two because for, for the very simple fact that the, based on the studies, you know, some of the big four organizations has shared with me, they estimated that you basically need to collect 180 data points. And some of the studies say that this is coming to 240, 260 uh, data points. And <laughs> if you have a global outreach of subsidiaries all over the world, can you imagine the type of work and that level of work that you have to do uh, on a group level just to make sure that, you know, all your subsidiaries are ready for local pillar two reporting and ensure that if, let's say, you, you didn't meet the 15%, which is the minimum threshold, then what are the effects? Do you need to do top-up tax? And if you need to do top-up tax, then at, at, at the group level, what are the additional things that you, you have to consider? So it's really a very, very massive exercise. And it is very challenging for tax professionals. So I think coming into 2024, 2025, 
uh, I, I would say that they they have to burn the midnight oil probably. <laughs> so speaking of technology, of the many technologies available to the CFO and the finance team these days, which mm-hmm. one do you think will offer the greatest value to the function or the company this coming year, 2024? So, you know, uh, establishing the team for 2024 and also, you know, yeah. uh, the most challenging one, which in my opinion should be the pillar two. So then to, to in, in line with that, I think the technology that is able to offer the greatest value to the function and company, right, should be a software that is able to capture all of the data points in order to comply with pillar two reporting requirements, especially if an organization, you know, you have again very big, a lot of subsidiaries all over the world. If you have an integrated reporting system, which is able to collect accurate, reliable data, then I think that will bring the greatest value to the function because then you are essentially really ensure the accuracy of your data and at the same time eliminate a lot of the manual work. You make reporting an automated process. You know, just like our accounting ERP system, right? Nowadays, it's so, we have so many capabilities, it's so advanced. So if you are able to have a solution to comply with Pillar 2 requirements up to that enterprise kind of a level, I think that will bring superb value to the organization. Talent remains an issue. Gardner Analyst has talked to said talent will still be an issue in 2024. Do you agree with that assessment that it will continue to become a, an issue for the finance function, filling in the roles? Yes, uh, I agree. I think talent is, is always very difficult to find. Again, you know, I'm just sharing with my friends I think a couple of days back and they were telling me that actually the talent that they're looking out for nowadays is really someone who is able to think. Don't be on the autopilot mode. Think about the, the situations and then put some thoughts in, into it. How can you make the best uh, out of the situation? So, it, you know, it, it shows that although we have a lot of, how, how is it, um, a lot of the candidates for, for each of the jobs, but many, many a times you may not have the required skill sets. So to, to give an example, like, like for example, uh, FP&A, you need very strong analytical skills and business understandings. And on top of that, you need to be very well versed technically with Excel so that, you know, you are able to make the whole uh, modeling dynamic and it's not those always uh, manual changes. Likewise, for, for accounting functions, you need strong uh, IFRS technical knowledge and a business acumen to business partner. And uh, a lot of times, IFRS requires us to, you know, as finance professionals, make professional judgments. So it is about how are you going to pair your technical knowledge and align it uh, with your business needs and business understandings. Marry these two good together to make a good business case. And most importantly, I think it's the flexibility in applying uh, the IFRS accounting standards to suit the business needs instead of the other way around. Uh, whatever business decision has been made and then you tell the business leaders that, oh, based on accounting standards, I can't do this, I can't do that. So very, very traditional, you know, back in the days that accountants are always perceived as just transactional, uh, yes, and I think, yeah, we, we need to exercise the professional um, judgments and make the best for your business. As CFO, you have a lot of different functions. I mean, a lot of different departments within the finance function. Which job nature is the most challenging to retain? I think every function is difficult <laughs> to feel. It's that bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because for, for the many teams that I work who which I work with and people that are, you know, the, the teams that I grow, I develop, it's very difficult to find someone who has the perfect mix. Now, what, what do I mean by that? If you have a accountant, for example, the accountant might be very 
uh, good in uh, applying the technical accounting knowledge, but the person may not be good in business partnering. On the other hand, if you have someone who is very good in business partnering, the person may forego the technical aspect because you know FRS technicals, you have to read through a lot of the papers, which can be, to some can be very, very boring. So really hard to find perfect candidate, or maybe I should say that there is no perfect candidate. It's just about, you know, how many percent can a candidate fulfill on your requirement? So if you can able to find a candidate who is able to meet maybe 70, 80% of your requirements, I think that is fantastic already. There are still students that go that decide oh, they want to pursue a career in finance and accounting, right? So they, they will go for accountancy as a career path education-wise. What is your advice for those people who want to pursue a career in finance? I think firstly, they have to be really uh, strong uh, and have a good technical skills and uh, fundamentals as well as technical knowledge because it helps you with your work uh, efficiency and uh, productivity. So if you are just like lawyers, right? If you, are, you have an in-depth knowledge of how you apply the laws, the past um, law cases that you use as a reference uh, to justify your position, then you will be able to make less mistakes and mm -hmm. the conclusions uh, and adjustments that you take, right? You then be well supported. And if anyone were to challenge your position, why are you doing A instead of B? And then you can for always fall back to the technical standards. I think then you are very, very well, well covered. So I think, uh, you know, in, in any trades, very, very core fundamentals is very important. If you have a good uh, fundamentals, it should provide you with a lot of uh, work efficiency and uh, productivity. I think then secondly is definitely uh, networking. So, you know, earlier we, we talked about, right, uh, in traditional accountants are very desperate. They say, ah, I just want to do my debit credit. Yeah, yeah, job. yeah, yeah. just yeah. leave me alone. <laughs> leave me exactly. Job. <laughs> I think nowadays is really more about business partnering. It's really very important uh, business partnering. Go out, speak to the business, understand the business, and then uh, combine these two together. So if you have a good technical knowledge, you have good networking, you're able to business partner a lot, Definitely, if you'll be someone who is able to build a great career in finance. In 2024, what do you see will be important uh, things for this, for any CFO in coming year? So I think going to 2024 for all of the CFOs, I think it will be another super busy year, if not even busier <laughs> than 2023, right? Where most of us, our main theme of the year is about... Uh, digital transformation, you know, finance transformation, uh, etc. So coming into 2024, yeah, I think it will be even busier for the very fact that we have to juggle between uh, sustainability reporting. The, the main headache is still surrounding the global minimum tax uh, pillar tools adoption and implementation. Why so, not just give that function to somebody else? They hire a chief finance a sustainability officer, let them deal with that. You can, but then the thing is, uh, at, at the end of the day, you still need a good uh, advisory, maybe from the big uh, force. Yeah, if you don't have a strong internal team, then you don't want to start things on the wrong note, right? Because it's the first year that everyone is, is, is doing it. So they want to make sure that you have the right, uh, you have the right footing, you have the right foundation. So, uh, and, and this kind of uh, advisory work for big force can be very expensive. Yeah, so it depends if, if let's, 
of course the service fee depends on the complexity of your work but just you know for, for example asking you to asking someone to put a six digit or a seven digit for advisory services just to for for compliance sake i i think you'll throw many many people um off off the, the ball and if you don't have that kind of budget the only thing you can do is to squeeze your own team so then you make yourself your your life really busy, busy so i think finance is really a function that has to deal with a lot of things it's tough coming into 2024 but having said that uh i do see a lot of opportunities because for me you know right uh in, in chinese we call it weighty uh for risk so risk uh weighty way means uh risk Ji means jihui. that means uh you have an opportunity it's just like how you how you see a half cup uh water do you see half empty or do you see half half, half full, full. So for me, I always like to see such uh, events as being uh, filled with plenty of opportunities. I think there are many, many new standards to learn, uh, many new changes to adapt, uh, many new requirements, uh, no doubt. But that is also the best moment that we are able to put uh, the finance function at the forefront and showcase to the respective leaders that, hey, you know, look, we as a finance team are able to achieve so many things uh, and, you know, we are bringing the, we are safeguarding the, the business and that is where we can showcase our capabilities. That was Ongrui Mo, Chief Financial Officer for Asia at MetAsia, for his perspective on the changing role of the CFO in 2024. You are listening to podcasts for future CFO. As always, if you have a topic you'd like us to cover on this channel, simply email us at editors at society.com. We'd also like to invite you to sign up for a free weekly newsletter so you won't miss an episode of Podcasts for Future CFO. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great day, and see you on the next episode of Podcasts for Future CFO. Bye for now.